0: 408172 The following program is sponsored by Grace Church Dumfries Virginia
1: Grace Church Real
2: people real lives Grace Church Real lives real change Grace Church Real people real lives real change Hello and welcome to Grace for today You can always visit us online at gracechurchva.org to hear this message and much more. Let's join Dr. Greer for today's teaching.
1: We love you, Lord. We honor you, God. Meet us in this moment. Lord, make the communication clear. Open hearts right now, Lord. Accomplish only what you can accomplish. In a setting like this, in advance we give you all the honor and all the glory. And the church says, "Amen." Amen. You may be seated. Welcome to Casual Sunday. It's uh, good to see you. Yep. I, uh, I still kind of like the tie and everything, but uh, uh, you know, I, I just like to kind of honor God by bringing my best. But you know, any Sunday you could dress however you want. Just bring some clothes. Just just wear some clothes. <laughs> good. What we're going to do is we're going to put a comma in our uh, series about the nine gifts of the Spirit. We've been focusing on the the gifts of the Holy Spirit. What I'm going to do is I'm going to pick up on this on Wednesday at Bible study, and we'll start again uh, next Sunday. But uh, this Sunday, we're going to be in Luke chapter 7, Luke chapter 7 and verse 36. Then one of the Pharisees. The Pharisees were Jesus's inveterate, consummate, chronic, incorrigible critics. Someone said the relationship between uh, the Pharisees and Jesus was much like many of our relationships with our mother-in-laws. Now, I happen to have a great relationship with my mother-in-law, but I I once heard a family in crisis here, I asked, you know, uh, uh, actually the wife, I said, well, what would make you happy in this situation. She said, happiness would be seeing my mother-in-law's picture on the side of a milk carton. (laughs) Wow. So, this is kind of the relationship that the Pharisees had with Jesus. It's this passive-aggressive type of thing, and sometimes outwardly aggressive. And it went on year after year after year, and it ended ultimately in Jesus' crucifixion. The Bible says One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. Jesus ate with the notorious and the glorious, the suspect and the sure. You know, if everyone in your life is just like you, you're going to live a very boring life. So Jesus liked to mix it up. So he went to the Pharisee's house. And it's really hard at this point in in our study this morning to really determine whether or not this man was here to trap Jesus Or he was genuinely curious. But we see here, whatever the man's cause and motive, Jesus was willing to take the risk. Only those who risk going too far ever really find out how far they can go. And Jesus at times pushed the envelopes, and because of it, there's a level of liberty that we can experience in our own lives. And the Bible says, and Jesus sat down to eat. And I say this often. It's very difficult to influence people that you avoid. And frankly, I'm not always certain of the places I'm invited to. I just know if I never go, I'll never know. So sometimes I willn't even sometimes make a mistake just to find out. So at least next time I'll I'll decline, you know, the, the invitation. But Jesus had a sense of adventure about him, and I'm sure God was leading him and, and the rest, but uh, he, he wasn't cold and stale, stuck in a rut. He'd do different things at different times, be around different types of people. Then the Bible says, "And behold." Now, this was a very elegant and classy way to say check this. <laughs> "And behold, a woman in the city who was a sitter." Now, the room was filled with people who, at least as far as they were concerned, got everything right in life. But then in walks this woman that was famous for everything she got wrong. And when she walked into this, this room, I'm sure she sucked all the oxygen out of the air. Faces turned red, and Simon, uh, the Pharisee, started fidgeting, and people started looking at each other, and, and all this was going on. The Bible says she was a what? Sinner. And because of it, all the men tried to put on their poker faces and pretend that they didn't know her.
2: Uh huh.
1: And the women were rolling their eyes. But here's something true, too. Whatever was broken in this woman's life, believe me, the last thing her customers in that room wanted was for it to get fixed. Some people don't want you to get up because they get so much out of you being down. (laughs) And that's what's going on here just a little bit. When you discover your true worth, it's hard to keep hanging around folks that just don't. So when she discovered who she was, she knew that some of them, uh, John's, Fred's, and Craig's, you understand what I'm saying? (laughs) Sorry, John, Fred, and Craig, I didn't mean it like that. (laughs) When she knew that Jesus sat at the table, Jesus had so impacted this woman's life that she was ready to, to deal with ostracism, criticism, Whatever might come her way in order to experience his presence again. You know, and once you experience God's goodness, you, you, you can ignore all the nonsense. You can ignore all the pain. Pe- it really doesn't matter when you experience the excellence of our God. So when she knew, I don't know what street, what corner she was walking on, but she heard Jesus was back in town. When she knew that he sat at the table, and by the way, it wasn't unusual uh, for uninvited guests to, to crash a feast. How many of you have had a family reunion where you were kind of wondering if that person really belonged to the family? <laughs> yeah. But in this time in history, allowing uh, strangers to come in demonstrated the largesse. It demonstrated the generosity of the host. But as she was coming in, she heard whispers. And everybody was talking about how Simon had just dissed Jesus. So she heard that Jesus had already come through the door. He'd taken his sandals off and he'd been seated. But in this very, very formal and uh, traditional society, neglecting the the usual uh, civilities of Of washing the feet of a teacher of Jesus's stature was not accidental. Jesus, you know, uh, in this religious culture, he was doing miracles. He was a rock star, if you will. I mean, named the the, the biggest pop star you could think of, that's who Jesus was in this culture at this point. He was, again, uh, feeding the multitudes, lame people walking, blind people seeing, deaf hearing, and everyone's, his name is on everyone's lips. Everyone's talking about him. Everyone has an opinion about him. And for him to walk into a home and people not give him the common courtesy. I mean, can you, can you imagine, you know, one of the great, you know, uh, preachers or celebrities of our time coming to your house and, and, and you won't even hang up their coat? You understand what I'm saying? It's this type of, of thing in that particular culture. So she heard about this. The Bible says she brought an alabaster flask. Alabaster was a soft stone that the ancients uh, carved a little hole in and, and they would pour perfume. And in this time in history, a woman's scent, really anyone's scent at, at this time, was an indication of health, but particularly in the life of a woman, it's an indication of status. Only very wealthy people were high in perfume. And the rest were were left to deal with uh, some, some smells that were quite suspect, if you will. The Bible said, and she brought an alabaster flask. Now, all the people that were already in the room had not honored, had not recognized, certainly had not received Jesus properly. But this lady was intent on fixing this situation. Luke 19, 40. Jesus said this, I tell you, if these people keep silent, the stones will what? Cry out. This woman was not going to let any rock cry out in her place. She was about to open up her bottle and worship him in a way only she could. So actually, she probably, they wore these alabaster perfumes around their chests, around their as necklaces. Actually, some women would wear this as a dowry, and it, the, the perfume was so uh, expensive and, and such a commodity that, uh, you know, you get this expensive uh, perfume, and again, you use it as a dowry, but this woman's situation was a little bit different. So, so here, she reaches into her bosom. Everyone's looking at her, except Jesus, by the way, and she pulls out one of the tools of her trade. Jaws dropped. Again, the scent of a person determines someone's health and status. How many you know that matters with a prostitute? How many of you know that you knew how much the evening was going to cost by the way she smelled? So this perfume was not a light thing. This was something significant and important in her, her, her life and living. It says she brought an alabasca flask, but then it says this, and this is important, a fragrant oil. Again, as I hinted at earlier, cheap perfume was particularly foul in this period. In fact, you could smell a brothel sometimes from blocks away because of the just rank. I mean, turn your stomach sometimes, the smell of the stuff these ladies tried to put on them to make themselves smell better. But the fact that this oil was was fragrant meant that it was both rare and expensive, meaning this was a high-end lady that Simon probably knew quite well. But what I want to point out here is what she used to honor Jesus cost her months of blood, sweat, and tears. When was the last time you worshipped Jesus with something that caused you something? And this woman walks in, and she stood at his feet. She didn't feel she was worthy of anointing his head. So the Bible makes it clear. She stood behind him. She wasn't trying to be intrusive. She wasn't being flirtatious. She wasn't, you know, making a path. Jesus wasn't that way, and, and she knew that. And, but in this time of history, I want to show you a picture. People didn't sit at tables. You know, uh, Da Vinci's, you know, people. The, the last supper, people sitting there, that's not the what it looked like. The, the reality is, uh, in this time, people would lean on, on their sides, and they would eat from the table, and they talked talk you know, to each other on, on the other side of the table. That's why when the Bible says that, that Judas was uh, leaning against Jesus' breast. We get a picture, actually we often get this real effeminate picture, of uh, two fellows sitting in a chair and Judas like this. That's not what happened. What happened was Judas was seated in front of Jesus. And I don't know if he was slain in the spirit or whatever. I don't know if he was listening back to to try to hear what he was saying. But but the short of it was, uh, this is the way they sat. So the woman that was uh, weeping and, well, I'm a little bit ahead of myself, but the woman that was at his feet, the prostitute, Jesus didn't see. He was talking to the room. The Bible now goes on and says that she was what? Weeping. So we see this this, this incredible picture here. There's this woman that everyone's rolling their eyes at, staring at and, and wondering why she's in the room. But she's standing at the feet of the master with tears of repentance, mingled with tears of joy because God has accepted her in spite of her, that, 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 that Jesus didn't kick her, you know, get, get, who, who are you woman to touch? None of that transpired. And when you know how God accepts you, whether people do becomes irrelevant. And this was the situation with this woman. And she began to wash his feet with her tears. Before she can even open the bottle, what she intended to do, tears began to drip on her, on his dust-stained feet, and Jesus knew exactly what was happening, and, and he's very sensitive to his environment and all the rest. We see this throughout Scripture, but something strange goes on here because he doesn't turn to look at her like you think. Jesus didn't want to draw any more attention to this woman that had already been drawn to her, and this is important. Her tears said more than words, and the conversation was too important for Jesus to interrupt. And sometimes, you know, you don't have to come up with clever things to say. This woman was worshiping God from her heart, and Jesus respected that. Jesus wouldn't even interrupt that. He knew what people were thinking, but he wouldn't stop her. She was saying more than everybody in that room was saying. I don't care what their degrees were. I don't care how how many syllables were in their words. This woman was saying everything that needed to be said in that moment. And she wiped them with the hair of her head. So she cried. She saw the, 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 the dirt on her feet turn to mud and little streaks were running through his feet and she didn't have a towel. So she used her hair. And the Bible says, and this is true this period of time, that a woman's hair is her glory. And this woman had nothing glorious about her. The only thing that that, that anyone could, could ever say was any value was a hair. And that was the very thing she took. And she laid her glory at the feet of Jesus. The Bible says, on top of that, she kissed his feet. Now, by the way, Respectable women never, never showed their hair in public. Just think of the Middle East today. Their heads are covered because it's considered provocative to to, to show a person's hair. But just like David, he, he danced with all his might before the Lord, the Bible said. His wife got mad at him saying, you, you, you know, you, you're being irreverent. You know, you, you, you're not, you know, uh, operating within bounds. You, you, you're acting like the common people. And sometimes y'all too stuck up anyway. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes you just got to <laughs> let one loose and say, thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You understand what I'm saying? Every now and then you just got to do that. But uh, that's an aside. But just as David danced with all his might before the Lord, And uh, the Bible actually says he started taking off his clothes. And no, he wasn't completely naked. Let's not do that, and please don't read the Scripture wrong. But I will say this. In the Garden of Eden, the Bible says that Adam and Eve were naked and what? Unashamed. They were totally unaware of themselves. They had no hang-ups. You know what heaven is? A place with no hang-ups. I mean, you're not worried about how tall you are, how, how, how short you are, how big you are, how slim you are, no, and how smart you are, what, what school you went. No, no hang-ups at all. So she's in God's presence, and she gets lost in the presence. And again, she's scorned, and, and people, look, people pay her, and then after they done paying her, then they look down on her. And, but, you know, she deals with this uh, all, all the time. But she's in the presence of God, and there's such freedom and liberty. And, and then she begins, the Bible said, to kiss his feet. And the Greek indicates that she did this over and over and over and over again. How many know this is not a good look for the preacher? This is important. But Jesus didn't turn around and interrupt her. Jesus would not stop her. You know, I'm learning, and it took me some years, to stop trying so hard to please people who criticize me. And often by doing so, overlook the people who really love me. And this woman, now, if he was concerned about the room, he would have stopped her. But he loved her. And he was going to stop her from loving him no matter what they had to say. And I I get concerned also about these churches where they don't want to do anything spiritual because someone might think sideways. I mean, come on, be yourself. And how are we going to change the culture if we're changing to the culture? That's that's free. But anyway, now we need to be wise, and you know, don't test me next week by doing something foolish, okay? And just in case, I know, see, there are a lot of people in this room, and there's at least one person is going to take what I said wrong. They're going to come in here naked next Sunday, talking about, well, you're talking about he got rid of shame. But here's the deal. That was before the fall. You come in here naked, Yes, not only security, but everyone that was spiritual was all of a sudden not so spiritual. And and we are no longer focused on God, we are focused on other things. So, uh, you know, know, uh, anyway, I don't know how that happened. Uh, (laughs) But for the one, you know, I just got to say that, okay? And she anointed them both feet with fragrant oil. The room was filled with a scent of expensive perfume that, by the way, some of the men recognized very well. And Simon was taking note of every single detail. Now, when the Pharisee who had invited him, Simon, saw this, he was a little intimidated by Jesus saying anything out loud. So he thought to himself, Instead of rejoicing at this woman's repentance, all he could do is look at her background. Instead of seeing this woman turn to God, all he could see is her sin. You see, when you judge me without knowing me, you don't define me, you just define yourself. That's important. And he was thinking in his mind, he said, this man, if he was a prophet, he, he, he would know who and what manner of woman this is who is touching him. If Jesus was truly spiritual, he'd turn around and rebuke this woman. He, he wouldn't let the holy be, 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 be defiled by, by someone with such a, such a lifestyle and such a reputation. Then he said, for she is a sinner. This is the saddest point in the whole narrative. Because as enlightened and as educated as this man was, The prostitute really proved to know a whole lot more. You see, the sad fact was everybody in the room except Jesus was a sinner. The prostitute, though, was the only one who realized it. You you guess what I'm saying? Sometimes there's an advantage of, of living a life where it's obvious what you are. Sometimes the greater challenge is for all of us that just do everything right, made all the decisions, yeah, and we're just wonderful. Often those are the hardest people to reach. You still with me? See, some of y'all miss hearing me, but I'm going to clean it up by the time we're through. And Jesus answered. He read this guy's mail, and he said, okay, you wonder if I'm a prophet? I'm about to prove it. He said, Simon, I have something to say to you, this is really important what I'm about to say. God cared for the Pharisee as much as he cared for the prostitute. No, what people do is they, they, they hear messages like they start twisting it. Then, then they, they, they stop. They can't be around no church folk. They can't be around the righteous. And what? Uh, the reason I'm watching this, the reason I'm with that group of people is because, you know what, I, I'm for the sin. Well, let me tell you something. I could tell you where you're going by who you spend most of your time with. I'm not going to get a whole lot there. Okay. All of us have sinned. All of us have fallen short of the glory of God. He cared for the Pharisee as much as the prostitute. He loves the church kid as much as the street kid. He loves the housewife as much as the prostitute. The preacher as much as the pimp. God loves us all, and we've all fallen what? Short. God is not willing, this is what my Bible says, that any should perish, but that all may come to repentance. No matter how far you've gone, how short you've gone. You know what I'm saying? He wants all of us. And it's not a competition to see who was the worst amongst us. That's not what this thing is about. But but in a a couple verses, we're going to clean that up a little bit more. So the Pharisee said, teacher, say it. Now, teacher was a respectful uh, way to address Jesus. It It was like rabbi here. And it kind of seems here that this man was really trying to understand the message and the behavior of Jesus. And if you're sincerely looking for answers, God will uh, help you find them. That's just the way God is. But but watch verse 41. It's very important. Jesus is about to explain the concept of sin. But obviously, he sees sin very differently than we do today. I want you to look at his illustration. Look at the the thing he used to, to explain sin. Verse 41. There was a certain creditor who had what? Two debtors. He used lending and borrowing to illustrate the proper perspective on what sin really is. You see, as far as Jesus was concerned, each of us at some point in our life, the Bible says uh, each of us are appointed once to die. Each of us are going to return our rentals. Anyone understand what I'm saying? Back to the lending agent and give an account for every mile, every dent, every ding, every time we lend it out, anytime we let someone drive it. See, you think it's your life. That's your problem.
2: Your life was given you on loan. We hope you enjoyed today's teaching. You can get your copy of this teaching on our website at gracechurchva.org. That's gracechurchva.org. Subscribe to our website to learn more about Grace Church and you can get directions, free downloads and more. You can also connect with us on Facebook and Twitter at Grace Church VA. That's Grace Church VA. We invite you to worship with us here at Grace Church on Sunday or Wednesday. We are just minutes from Potomac Mills and Quantico Marine Base. We look forward to seeing you here at Grace, where we are real people with real lives experiencing real change. That's our time for today. Thank you to the partners of Grace for Today and the Ministry Minute. Your loving contributions and commitment help us continue to stay on the air and reach people all around the world. And together, we are making a difference. Join us Monday as Dr. Greer concludes this message. Here on Grace for Today.